This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 408. She stands up and she says, Hey, everybody, this is Emma. She has some money she'd like to lend. Raise your hand if you have a project that needs some money. And a couple of people raised their hand, and everybody was like, Hey, man, over here, over here, do you need X amount of money? And he was like, Yeah. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with another phenomenal show today with my co-host, Mr. David Green. David, what's up, man? How's uh, how's life? How's business treating you? Business has been amazing, actually. This is the best year I've ever had. We've helped more people in the mm. Bay Area and Sacramento either buying in rental properties or buying investment properties than like or house hacks than I ever would have dreamed. So this has been a very fulfilling year. Also very challenging, that's awesome. but that's that's what's fun about business is it forces you to get better than you were the mm. day before. So thanks for asking. How's things in, in your end of the woods? How's business going? Uh, yeah, life, baby sleeping more for the life, baby sleeping uh, more through the night. That's great. Which then business, yeah, businesses don't go. We just actually closed on a big park last week and we just launched fund three. So like we're raising a bunch of money now from accredited investors. So it's been nuts, but good. And like, yeah, biggest year I've ever had. So yeah, crazy. It's like half the world is like, this is the worst year ever. And the other half is like, this is phenomenal. So it's just, uh, interesting how that, uh, different perspective and all that stuff works. So that said, Today's guest also has a fantastic story of just killing it lately. I mean, this year and the last few years has been killing it. Uh, all while having six kids at home. You'll hear my surprise in this show when I find that out. Six kids homeschooling them. Not just six kids, but homeschooling six kids while building this amazing real estate empire. So our guest today is Emma Powell, and she just goes, like, deep. Like, this is a really, t- like, what's the word? Like, you're going to want notes for this. Like, it's like yeah. a note-taking Very informational. Episode. Yeah, there's so like, and, but she's also wraps everyone in a story. Like, here's how she pulled off this crazy big deal and wrapped it inside this amazing thing. And this is how you can do it as well. It's really good. So if you're not driving right now, I'd recommend grabbing a paper and pencil out. Uh, you're going to learn how to do these deals. Some of like creative finance stuff, like no and low money down stuff. Uh, really good stuff in there. Again, a mom who works like part time at the real estate thing. Crazy. Awesome story. She also has a tip. One of the best tips I think I've ever heard in like 400 plus episodes of the show is her tip on what to do when you meet with a potential mentor. Hmm. Like it was so good. And I don't know why I've never thought of it before or never heard anybody else say it before, but it's going to change my investing career in the future. And it will probably change yours as well. Like as you meet people who are ahead of you on the, on the path towards your future. And then uh, we talk a lot about lease options today, which is kind of a more, again, a deeper topic, uh, but you'll learn the power of how those can be really, really, really really helpful in growing your business. So all that and more to come in just a moment. But before we get to that, let's get to today's quick tip. All right, today's quick tip is very simple. If you are not currently a Bigger Pockets member, I know it sounds weird, right? Because when I say, what does that mean? It means if you have not joined our list, you have a profile on Bigger Pockets. I want you to go do that today. Uh, you might be wondering why. It's because you need to start building your reputation right now as somebody who like is in the game, who's connecting with people, who's getting to know people. You're going to hear why in today's show uh, with Emma on why that's so important. But a lot of people, a lot of you guys are just listening to the show, but you're not subscribed to like Bigger Pockets as a member yet. And it's 
gets a free membership. Yes, we have a pro membership as well, but just a membership with your face. And it's like, you know, it's like having a Facebook or Twitter, but less cat videos and a lot more real estate content. Hmm. So go to biggerpockets.com and do that. If you want to post a cat video, you probably could as well. But, you know, David would appreciate that. David actually is like the guy for like sending me funny cat videos. He's like, you know, every every couple hours I get a new cat video for David. That's not true at all. Uh, yeah. While we're talking about <laughs> reputation, my reputation as a cat video man clearly precedes me. <laughs> that's not, all right. Uh, I just think that's such a funny thought of like David. Anyway, it's about as opposite right, uh, of me as you could get. That's yeah, that's funny. probably true. That's probably true. Uh, Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think we're ready for the show. Anything you want to add, David? I love this interview. I think you guys are going to love it too. As you listen, make sure that there's going to be phrases that you hear that maybe you aren't aware of. That's okay. Write that down. There's some research for you. Like if you come out of this not knowing more than what you knew when you went into it, then you did something wrong. This is definitely a show that should be very educational. Yeah. Great point. With that said, let's get to our show with Emma Powell. Emma, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Good to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, so tell us about yourself. What uh, what did you do before real estate? And then we'll get into your real estate journey. Uh, well, I was a real estate photographer before for about 10 years in Austin, Texas. I shot weddings on the weekends. Before that, I taught uh, graphic design online. Uh, so I've always been entrepreneurial minded. I went back to college in the middle of my photography career to get a degree in entrepreneurial management. 
just felt like with entrepreneurial management. I didn't even know that was a thing. Entrepreneurial. Yeah. yeah well, it's a business. Yeah. It's a specialty in a business okay. management degree. And I call it the degree to teach you how to keep all the plates spinning, uh-huh. how to wear all the hats and, and get things done. And so that's, that's my background. And then after I graduated from that, I was about 40 when I finished college. And, um, my first job out of college was a part-time marketing consultant, social media manager, and content marketer for the professional rugby team in Austin. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So how, how did that, how do you go from that to, I'm going to invest in real estate? Where'd that transition come from? Well, my husband is an IT. He's a specialist uh, in, in tech startups. So that's why we're in Austin. It's a you know, tech startup city. And yeah. uh, he got laid off from a company that he was employee number nine. A friend of his started it. And one day, I guess they didn't get their series B uh, round of funding valuation that they were expecting. And they had to lay off 30% of their, their workers to get enough working capital to stay in business. And he comes home one day, it's noon, he walks in the door and he didn't look sick. So, I mean, I knew, I knew what that meant. And I said, did you get fired? And he said, no, come on. I didn't get fired. I got laid off. <laughs> oh, great. So we just went into kind of kill mode at that point and just started working all the network and going to all the meetups and just trying to find another job. And I said, well, I'd be willing to move to Salt Lake because they have also have a rugby team and the rugby league is headquartered there. And it's hard to obviously find a job in the rugby industry. It's yeah. a really niche, niche type of thing. And so when he told the recruiter, he'd be willing to move to Salt Lake, they were all over it. They set him up six interviews and in three days. And so we drove up, interviewed, he had a job offer the next day and offer we couldn't refuse. And so we packed up all the kids and, and sold our house and got to Salt Lake and uh, the Austin team couldn't really keep me remote in the Salt Lake. Uh, neither one of those organizations really could need it or could afford me at that point. And so I didn't have a job. So I started attending more meetups, same thing, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I'd always wanted to be a real estate investor. We'd made some money off of the houses that we lived in and just found myself having to redo my, my identity. I didn't want to keep being a photographer. It's getting too old. Didn't want to build another business from scratch like that. I thought I don't want to work full time. And I knew that real estate could give me a full-time income on a part-time schedule. So I just, I found this organization. They wanted to sell me some education. Uh, not into that. So I got on the internet and Googled them and I found bigger pockets and started reading up on this organization on bigger pockets. And somebody was like, well, why would you pay all that money? for that education when you learn it all on bigger pockets for free and go to your local RIA. And I was like, what's a RIA? So I signed up for bigger pockets and I found my local RIAs and just started going. And the first one I went to, uh, a guy was talking about developing lots and we had just sold our house. And I said, well, I've got all this cash here. Maybe I should loan it to a flipper. And while I figure out what I'm doing. So I found him, uh, everybody, you know, they all point at the same guy, right? Loan it to that guy. He knows what he's doing. He can use that much money right away. And uh, the second RIA that I went to was sitting there. I had the money placed and I was feeling kind of like a hot shot. Like I'm a, I'm a hard money lender. Right. So then the guy got up there and he said, look, if you can just skip residential and go straight to commercial, you should just do that. And I was like, well, I can do that. Okay. So I decided at that point I wanted to be in commercial real estate. Um, I still did some residential deals that came in my way because I, I understood that we bought our own houses. We'd rehabbed our own house. And I figured I already knew how to do a lot of that. So we went and, and got a couple of small rentals. We had the cash that we could do it by ourselves. So I wanted to get some credibility and some experience all that while, while I was learning about commercial real estate. Um, that first year while my money was out and when it came back, I uh, just decided to tear it up. Wow. All right. So I want to unpack this a little bit. Yeah. So first of all, 
you you packed up the family and moved. Now you the, you said the kids, and and I heard you had a lot of them. Is that true? Yeah, <laughs> I have six kids. Okay, all right. So, so yeah, you're moving across the country. You're gonna bring, pack up six kids. You get to this new place, and uh, first of all, for those who don't know, what is a RIA? When you say RIA, what does that mean? Real Estate Investor Association. It's a national organization, and they've got chapters all around the country. And you can start a chapter. It's kind of like starting a business. You own the chapter, and you're supposed to promote it and get people out. And there's a small membership fee, maybe 100 to 150 bucks a year. I learned that Salt Lake had three live ones and one virtual one, and so I just joined all of them to, to see. And there's actually another one in Northern Utah and one in Southern Utah. So I went and visited those just getting my feet around, trying to meet everybody I could and listening to, they put on lots of variety of speakers. So wholesalers, flippers, apartment guys, commercial, uh, rentals, property managers, just every meeting has a different focus. And so you really can get fast exposure to a lot of different types of things. And you can say, okay, this one feels right to me. This one fits. And so that was really helpful for me to figure out which direction I was going. Yeah. Interesting. Now, when you decided that you partnered with that one person or you lent them that money, mm-hmm. I should say, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess it's a partnership, right? So you, you yeah. gave money to somebody. How did you know that that was like, did you know, like, oh, this guy is going to be solid. What kind of due diligence did you do? Or did you get lucky off that? Or how, like, how do I'm wondering, like people listen to this. They're like, well, I got some money. Should I just go randomly give it to a guy talking at a RIA? Like what's your um, thoughts on that? That was really scary really, really scary. It was, it was quite a lot of money. It was the most money we'd ever had at one time. And I, I told my husband, I, I said, look, we made this money off of the personal houses that we invested in that we would buy new brand new construction and appreciates very quickly. And then we'd sell it. We'd live in it for a few years and move on. And so when we moved to Salt Lake, I said, we'll just put barely enough down on this house. So we'll buy a house that we can afford with the minimum down on your W2 income. And the rest of this, I'm taking to go start a real estate business. And so that was when I found that guy. I was like, hey, I can do this. I, he was not speaking at the RIA. I asked everybody at the RIA, okay. I have this amount of money and it's going to be available on this date. Do you know anybody that can use it? And it was kind of funny because I was sitting in the RIA. It was my very, very first meeting and I was, I was knitting, just sitting <laughs> there by myself, just knitting. And uh, the, the president of the RIA comes up to me and she says, hey, you look new. I mean, the purpose of a RIA is to network and you're just sitting up here by yourself waiting for the meeting to start. And uh, so she asked me a couple of questions. She said, well, what are you here for? And I said, well, I have some, some money from a house I just sold and maybe was looking to place it with somebody. And she stands up and she says, hey, everybody, this is Emma. She has some money she'd like to lend. Raise your hand if you have a project that needs some money. And a couple of people raised their hand and she said, okay, go meet you know, Joe and Sam. And, and so she just pushed me to the back of the room to go meet them. And they couldn't use that amount of money in that quick of a time frame. But they kept saying, you know, who you should ask is this guy, this guy, this guy. And like, he's not here. He's not here. He's not here. Well, that guy walked in oh, okay. and everybody was like, Hey man, over here, over here. Do you need, do you need X amount of money? And he was like, yeah. And I just really liked how calm he was about it. He didn't get that <laughs> shark desperate look in his eyes came over, had a very calm conversation, very patient. I went home and I looked him up, tried to find any dirt I could on him. You know, you Google his name and scam, you Google his name and yep. lawsuit. Um, just found whatever I could, talked to a lot of people, spent some time in his office. He ended up being a great mentor for me, even though I ended up, my business went a different direction than what he was doing. It was really great. When you loan someone money, you have a question, they pick up the phone. Yeah. And we'll answer any question you have. So that was a great tool for me to get a lot of education very quickly. I, I want to bring up a couple of things here. First of all, 
for those who are listening to this going like you just you gave somebody money uh, understand the cool thing about real estate for those who are maybe new here and they're not sure how this whole thing works the cool thing is when you put money into a deal like that and i'm assuming this is the way, way it was with you emma you have some sort of like lean against whatever properties they're working on mm-hmm. so they can't it's not like you're just giving them a, a duffel bag full of cash and you know crossing your fingers hoping you're getting something back it's all very like as long as you do it correctly it's all done very legally and uh, there's a lot of protections in place. Uh, I used the analogy recently somewhere. I said it's like, you know, driving down the road is a dangerous activity. You're in a car. It's, it's you know, dangerous. You get hit by a car. You could flip over. You could steer off the road. But that's why we do a driver's ed. That's why we, you know, go and we learn how to do this. You learn what all those safeguards are. And that's why we have airbags in the car. We have insurance on the car in case something goes wrong. There's all these things that help lessen the risk of driving. And so then we go and drive. So when people are like, well, I would never I would never give money to somebody in a real estate deal because that's risky. Just understand, again, it's not a duffel bag. It's you, you have some protection. So that's, that's, I'm assuming that was the case with you, Emma. Yeah. And I, I, we had actually had a friend of ours in Austin several years before when he found out we were saving up all this money because of 2008, 2009, the smart thing to do was to live simply and save up all your cash because you never knew if you're going to get laid off. Yeah. And so my husband and I both had part-time jobs and we're just piling up cash. And then when the the uh, crisis seemed to be winding down and we hadn't lost our jobs and lost our house. Somebody came to me and he said, Oh, we can do a flip and 10% on the loan. I, oh, 10%. That sounds really high. That must be a scam. Even though he was a friend of ours and we trusted him, it just seemed like a way too good to be true to be getting 10% on your money. And so we said no, because it, he was asking basically for all of our money. And they said, never invest. You can't afford to lose. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So we said, no, so it wasn't like we had never been exposed to that concept before. I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad 20 years before. Yeah, didn't have enough nuts and bolts, so I didn't really know what to do with it after I read it, but I knew it was a thing. So when I asked this new guy in Salt Lake, uh, so how does this work? Do I just write you a check? Does it go into your personal account? Because that was not the answer I wanted to hear. Yeah. If yeah. he had said yes, I might not have done business with him. He said, no, 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 I'll hook you up with a guy at my title company it goes into an escrow account. We hold it there and trust. And then they send you the lien paperwork that you got to sign and kind of walk me through the legal ins and outs, like what you said. And because I knew that he was doing it correctly, because from my research, that's how it was supposed to go. I offered to send it straight to his bank account and write him a check. Mm-hmm. And because he said no and educated me on the way it was supposed to be done, I knew that that was a test and it was he was being trustworthy. That's cool. And that's a that highlights why your reputation is so important and why doing things <laughs> the right way is so important. Because let's be frank, if you're giving someone a hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, it is a it's a risky thing to do, and it's going to feel even riskier than it is. Even if that person is completely legit, there is still a very real component that they could be gone and in the Cayman Islands before you know what happened. So for both sides, if you're looking to partner with someone and you're bringing the money, you should absolutely do exactly what Emma did. And if you're the person who's borrowing people's money, you need to prepare ahead of time for how you're going to explain to them what's going to happen. You don't want the answer to be, yeah, 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 yeah. just cut me a check right now. Then I'll go put it in the bank and don't worry, you know, you can have this or you can have that. That's the wrong answer. And then the third piece would be if everyone speaks about you the way that they spoke about this person, it's going to go very far. If people say, you know, I don't know, I don't know that he's even done a deal. This guy just shows up at these meetings all the time talking about how he never has money. That'd be a big red flag. (laughs) I don't want to be, I'm not going to be helping this person learn how to do the business. Or if there's, you know, I don't know, so so so-and-so did a deal and they weren't too happy about it. That goes really, really far when it comes to raising money. I agree. And I felt like the only thing I didn't do that maybe I should have done was to run a, uh, a private investigator background check on him. 
I would never say that that's a bad idea. I didn't really think about it at the time, but if with the amount of money that I was, that I was loaning to him, I probably should have added that to my due diligence, but everything else I felt, felt pretty safe with it. And, uh, we're still friends. He's still around. Uh, you know, we call him my, my air quotes mentor because basically he paid me to mentor me. And so I really felt like I came out on the, on the better side of that deal. Emma, I love that you said that. Like he paid you to mentor you. And what you be like, and you said a minute ago, when you lend somebody money, they pick up the phone. It's such a good, great point. Now, so if you're listening to the show and you maybe have some extra cash lying around and you want to get into the business, I'm not saying every single person in the world is trustworthy, right? Of course not. But mm-hmm. if you find the right person and you become their private lender or their hard money lender or whatever, like you get to learn from them as they do their deal. They'll they'll talk to you. So uh, it's a great, mm-hmm. great way to get started if you've got that got that cash. So what happened next then? So you bought you 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 know you lent this guy the money. And now you're in the game a little bit. You're feeling like you got a little bit of momentum going. So, and then somebody told you that what, you know, the same guy, right? You said that, said, if you can just jump to commercial, you can just skip residential, which I don't think is a bad, it's not bad advice at all. And so is that what you did? It was a different guy. It was actually just somebody oh, okay. speaking at a RIA. Okay, yeah. Okay. And I, he's, and I went down immediately afterwards, introduced myself and took him out to lunch. And I said, mm. well, there's this little office that's for sale across from the high school. I'd really like to buy it. I had no idea. I didn't really want to buy it. I just, I called the guy, I got all the numbers run on it. Between the time I met him at the RIA and our lunch date, I went and found an actual commercial project that I could bring to him. I knew it was going to be garbage, but I just wanted a real deal to talk about and run numbers. So I spent, the owner really wanted to sell this. So the owner spent a long time on the phone with me, telling me all the ins and outs of the properties, the area, the price, uh, when they had expected out, when they were going to build it. So I, I, I went and armed with as much information as a beginner could be armed with went into this lunch meeting and it ended up not being a very good deal and and not a good fit for me at that time. But that conversation was really valuable. Um, and then, Hey, can I, um, can I stop you right there? Cause you just, you're just making like point after point after point that I just got to No, that's good. No, I mean, like everything you're saying is like, I want to stress this because this is so important. A lot of people will say, can I take a mentor out to lunch and or out to coffee or whatever? And they do that. And then they get there and they sit down with the person. They're like, so, you know, How's it going? How do you like real estate? You know, what, what's new? I love that you said that, but you brought it, you went and found something to bring them. Now you had a topic, uh, something you could specifically ask questions about, and then you're going to learn from you're like, so, so this is what the income says it is. And he's going to be like, well, that's what they say it is. But in reality, you got to make sure you account for vacancy. And you're like, oh yeah, good point. You write that down. Now you didn't even know to ask that question. He knew to ask that question, right? So because you brought Mm -hmm. something to talk about, man, that's such an amazing point. That rather than just a, a random meeting with somebody, bring them a deal or bring a deal to just discuss with them. So anyway, okay. And don't yeah, say, can I pick your brain? That is literally yeah. the opposite of what Brandon <laughs> just described, right? Pick your brain is very general. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm asking. Yeah. I'm just trying to hope if I talk to you enough, whatever's inside your head mm-hmm. will get in mind. As opposed to yeah. I have a specific direction that I want this to go. I know what yep. questions I need to get answered. That just tells the person you want to talk to if it's a good use of their time or not. That's so good. And at that point, I decided I wanted to start a wholesaling business, right? The the low hanging fruit, and I I I knew that it was going to be difficult. Tons of cold calling, tons of hustle, and I I didn't really think I was cut out for that. But I thought I need some more cash to get my pile up so that I can go do these commercial deals. So I, I wanted an office because I was gonna I was gonna hit it big, right? So that was why I hit on this office. Thought I could rent out a little closet in my own space and build it. I can't rent. We tried to rent for four months when we got to Salt Lake. Four months, that's all it lasted. 
And so I immediately said, well, if I'm going to go get an office, I'm going to just go buy the, buy the whole building. I just, I'm not cut out for it. So that was, that was kind of the nexus of where all of these things were coming together. But so I went, I took a class on how to do lease options and my parents had always sold their houses doing lease options when I was growing up, but I would see a lot of stress and frustration when the person that they would put in there didn't pay the rent or the mortgage for that month. And my parents didn't have a good reserve to be able to do that. And they would be freaking out. Like, how are we supposed to pay our mortgage when they're late again? And, and it just wasn't, it seemed like a great way for an extra stream of income, but I didn't think the way that they were doing it was bringing a lot of peace and passive income into their lives. And so I thought, I love this lease option idea, but I'm going to go out and learn how to do it correctly with the emergency fund in place and with the correct legal documents and the marketing and how to, how to do background screenings on the tenants. And so that's when I decided I was going to do this lease option. I'm wholesaling. I get this office. And during that time, we had a, someone close to us who her husband was laid off and he had been out of work for a year and their house was in default. And people would call her and say, well, honey, what can we do? How can we help? And she'd say, I don't know. Give my husband a job. Like find us a rental to live in. We have late mortgages and our credit shot. Like nobody will even rent to us. And she says, I don't know, maybe buy my house. And I said, are you, are you being serious? Because... I know some people I can ask. I think I can buy your house. And she said, can you really? I said, I, I don't know. Let me go figure it out. <laughs> and so I called all the people I knew and they gave me some ideas and I presented her a couple of options. And we ended up taking that house subject to the, the mortgage. I put in a lease option renter into it. That was in Louisville, Kentucky. And they are the best tenants I've ever had. I just met them for the first time last weekend, actually, when I was out of town for that conference. I flew into Louisville and spent the day with them. They just been so great. I just decided instead of asking them to get their own mortgage, I'm just going to wrap, I'm going to refinance it and wrap the mortgage to them because they're just such, they're such great tenants. And so that was my first investment home. I reinstated the mortgage. I helped that person move out of that house and get them into a rental and just did what they needed to do to get moved on with their life. And then that paid for the class that I took on how to do lease options. That's one deal. That's awesome. Now, you you mentioned quite a few industry-specific terms there, like wholesaling lease options subject to. Can you explain to the audience who's listening, one, what a lease option is, and then maybe two, what scenarios a lease option is a better fit than a standard rental contract? Now, to be fair, I didn't know what any of these things were either when I first started. I knew my parents were not selling their houses to people who just came with the mortgage, but I didn't know what that was called. So the lease option is when you sell your house to somebody who's going to come in and rent it and you give them an option to purchase that house at a later date at a pre-specified price. So maybe uh, slightly over market value because they're going to buy it in one to two years and you get to choose the term you between you and the renter. They're going to pay you rent each month and maybe or maybe not, they might give you a little credit. They, you might give them a little credit that goes towards uh, their down payment each month. Uh, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Depends on the strength of the renter and how their background check comes up. It's just a little bit of a deeper look into their background than you would do for a normal renter. We use a service that gives them some credit and mortgage counseling on top of the criminal uh, background check and the credit check. And and I just make sure that we are communicating. I, I require them to buy a home warranty and they're in charge of most of the maintenance on the house unless it's large enough that we need to take out a homeowner's uh, claim against it. And so we get them in there and they have one, two years, however long you agree on to perform on that option. And when the option expires, um, you can just keep renting it to them if you want to, but usually you'll want to build into the contract if the option expires and they want to renew that the house price is going to go up by say 2% and the rent's going to go up by one or 2% uh, because otherwise they think that 10 years down the road, they can buy the house for what it was worth 
you know, when, when they first mm-hmm. signed it. So, and those are the kinds of provisions that why I took that class because I needed to know some of those pitfalls and have the right legal paperwork. So we took that to an attorney's office who, and closed it with a title company. And we actually recorded their interest against, against the house in the county records so that they knew I wouldn't just go sell it out from under them. Cause then they would lose whatever money that they had built up into that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Let me jump in real quick, real quick. I, I want, I want to make sure people know if they're listening to this, like lease options and wholesaling and subject to, you mentioned like all that stuff, just so people, if you're listening, it's going, I don't understand what that is. I wish they'd just been two hours explaining that. Like, first of all, understand yeah. like, this is like a gym tour, right? Like we're walking through yeah. a gym going, here's all the cool stuff that is at your disposal. You can lift with this thing and this thing, but nobody expects when you walk through a gym to know every single thing. You still have to show up to the gym mm-hmm. multiple times, which means go read the books, go search bigger pockets for this stuff. Like these are really, really powerful strategies that can be great, especially if you're getting started without any cash. Uh, all three of those are really interesting strategies for that. But again, there's mm-hmm. books on it, there's podcasts on it. So I just want to, I, I always know whenever we talk about stuff that's like, really like meaty creative stuff people are like well they're not explaining every single you know like you didn't tell me what you told the attorney on the third meeting with the attorney yeah it's just like this is not this is a gym tour so anyway with that said so if you're freaking out right now because you don't understand every piece that's okay that's all right take a breath and then learn that's why i wanted to to say that i took a class yeah because this is complicated stuff and you don't have to take a class i'm usually more of a self-taught person but because of the legal implications of doing a deal like this i really wanted to make sure that i had the ducks in a row and so i did a couple of those that first year and just realized that i wasn't really cut out for it it's just too much volume i'm not into Mm -hmm. the volume of say wholesaling where you find a deal and you sell it to somebody else and you take a little spread in between, you have to do a lot of those because if you're only making 10, 15 grand from each deal, how many of those do you have to do a year to replace your income? Plus it's a hustle. So I was more after the passive income, you know, where the financially independent, retire early, have my husband quit his W-2 was our goal. And things like wholesaling or being in the intermediary and, and lease optioning other people's houses just was not getting me towards that goal. Even though it was helping me make some money, I just, I really... I really realized that was distracting me from my passive income goals. I love that you recognize this strategy does not fit for my personality and my goals. Because there are some people (laughs) Uh that the opposite is true. They need a hustle. They love the chase. They get addicted. Like they'll always be needing some kind of work, but maybe wholesaling where they get 10 to 15 grand a pop is actually exciting to them. And it gets them out of bed every morning and they're like, this is so much better than my salary job where it didn't matter what I did, I didn't make anything. But you knew yourself and Brandon and I talk about this a lot. You have to know your goals and your personality and pick the strategy that aligns with those as opposed to just saying, well, I heard somebody else did this, it worked. Sounds better than what I'm doing. And you jump Uh in and do it. And your Rhea story that you started off where you said you get exposed to a little bit of everything kind of gave you what you needed to recognize this is something that I would enjoy doing. Brandon, you know, do you agree? Yeah. Can I double down on my analogy from earlier? I'm taking your analogist role today. The analogist role. You ready for this? This is going to be good. Is it it's about like, the gym tour? It's like going to the gym, yeah. right? And you, if you were to go to the gym and they were like, this is the bench press. This is what you need to do every single time you're here. This is the squat machine. I want you to do the squat. Like you'd end up looking maybe like the guy who's giving you the tour, but that might be not the best approach for you. It doesn't align with your with your goal. It doesn't align with your uh, personality or what you like doing. And so, again, it's like I, I think the gym is a perfect example of this is people oftentimes are just doing a thing because they heard it on a podcast mm-hmm. or some they went to a seminar and it said, you should be doing wholesaling. You're a newbie. You should be doing wholesaling. And they just do not like that. Uh, and they just they just not good at it. 
And they, and they, have, they don't have the yeah. skill set for it. I'll go even one it. deeper with the gym tour. Ooh. When you're talking about a <laughs> chest exercise, there's many different kinds. There's a standard bench. There's an incline bench. There's a decline bench. There's a butterfly machine. There's there's weight you can do butterfly stuff with. They all deal with the specifics of how you want your chest to look, right? Some of the deals that Emma here has mentioned are things like subject two, which are very specific strategies that we use for our overall financing. Like financing would be chest and subject two is something you use within that. Okay. So don't get caught up if you're like, oh, this is too complicated for me. I don't understand subject two. It just doesn't make sense to me. You probably don't even need to address that till you've been working your chest out for a year and you say, okay, I want to like tweak it in a little way. Most people just need to go to the gym. You don't have to understand the intricacies of every single machine that's there. Like just get in there and sweat. And it's better than if you didn't go. I'd triple down on that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Show up to the gym and be very strategic about the personal trainer that you hire. Mm. I'm a Mm. cheapskate. When I say I paid for a class, uh, that's a big deal for me. I am all about the $150 a year RIA. I'm all about learning for free on bigger pockets. But when you hire somebody to get you some help, I didn't know what a subject to mortgage was. I called the guy that I took the lease option class from and I said, Hey, I've got this situation. There's a house that fell in my lap. I'm trying to do something. Mm-hmm. What would you do? He said, well, I'd take it on a subject to mortgage and then we're going to blah, blah, blah. I didn't know what he was talking about. He almost had to fill out the documents for me. So... <laughs> Make sure that you've got some people on your team who know what they're doing. So the guy I loaned money to was a great mentor on flipping. And it was a great way for me to see, I don't like flipping and I don't want to do that. And the guy who was doing the lease options, well, it ended up not, I'm not going to say lease options ended up not being a good fit for me because there's a story, remind me to get back to that later in the commercial where that ended up becoming very handy. But the volume of lease options in the residential was not a good fit, but he got me into that first deal because I took this class, I knew who to call when I had a situation come up and help me solve it. And he helped me solve it in a creative way. So get the personal trainer. That doesn't mean you have to spend a thousand million zillion dollars on the best personal trainer on the planet. Be strategic about who you bring in there with you and know who to call when you've got a situation. Yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, I, I'm tempted to four to, to four X our analogy here, but I will move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. So you, you, you kind of figured out that you did it, you didn't really love it, and so you pivoted into something else. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here today talking. So what came next after you trying, trying out your hand at the wholesaling uh, thing? Okay, so it's kind of a funny story. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I was at the bank. I was actually depositing a check from a lease option that I had just gotten paid for. And uh, I was walking out and there was a contractor there in a big truck. And he had the branded, the wrap on the truck and the branded polo. And he was on the phone and he was walking into the bank. And I thought, well, this is the kind of professional contractor that I want to be dealing with. And I was having a hard time finding him because in Austin, when we remodeled our house, you, it's hard. You dealing with contractors and, and I knew that there were a lot of bad ones and I knew what I was looking for in the ones that ended up being good. So I figured, oh, I'll just ask for his card. So we chatted in the parking lot for a little while and he started calling me almost every day 
couple times a week. Do you have a house we can flip? Do you have a house we can flip? I said, I don't flip houses. He said, but you said you wanted to maybe look at flipping houses. I said, maybe, I don't know. He bugged me for six weeks. And finally I said, <laughs> fine, I will go find a house that we can flip. And so I opened up my email and I got all the wholesaler emails that had been coming through. Cause every time you go to a RIA and you sign in, the wholesalers start emailing you stuff. And so these deals are coming in to your inbox. I didn't know if they were good deals. I didn't know how to really run my numbers. Uh, I knew spreadsheets from business school and all that, but I didn't know how to evaluate these deals. I'd be on bigger pockets, like on the deal evaluator, trying to figure out, I had no idea. And I said, look, I'll line up a couple property tours and we'll go look at them. And he picked me up in his giant truck and he drove me from North Salt Lake through all these properties one day to South Salt Lake, spent all day with me. He was so excited. And if he hadn't been hammering at me every single day, I never, ever would have done that. So about Thanksgiving, we found this wholesale flip. And when I walked upstairs, there was a duplex in the attic. And I said, well, this is, this is a rental. And when I started figuring out, I knew 1% rule and a few things. So this is going to be a great investment. And he started immediately firing off like, this is only going to cost $25,000 to rehab and this and that. So I put an offer on it. We bought it. I called up the guy that I had my money lent out to. I said, Hey, can you send me back like 30 grand so I can put a down payment on this duplex? Uh, so he, he replaced that money and I went and bought that duplex. And then my, I got a hard money loan for the rest of it. We remodeled it, put some renters into it, immediately refinanced it. So it was kind of a partial burr. So there's another term that I learned from bigger pockets. Uh -huh. So I guess the point of this, watch a lot of YouTube videos, spend a lot of time on bigger pockets, spend a lot of time at Urea and you'll, you'll learn these things exist. So this is my first burr. I didn't get all my money back out because it's in a uh, Provo, Utah, which I don't know if you know anything about this area. Provo is no. the second fastest growing city in the country. Oh, Utah wow. County is the fastest growing county in the country. I knew this thing would appreciate like gangbusters, but I knew I wasn't going to be able to get all my money out in the refinance. And I was okay leaving a little bit behind. So we did that, got my duplex, super proud of myself. I got a property in Provo, Utah, everybody. This is like my second, my second yeah. property. I had just closed that one in Louisville a couple months before. And I had the fire, like, let's go find another one. Cause he was excited too. Let's go find another one. So I found that same wholesaler brought me another one, not far from there. It was a dump. It was a disaster. I was originally going to flip it, but I found out it had foundation issues that I didn't want to fix. And I said, well, I'm just going to lease option this one and we'll all fix the foundation later. It was basically kicking the football down the field a little to fix the foundation before they closed on a mortgage. So couldn't find anybody who wanted to buy it on a lease option. So I just rented it out. It was not ready to go. The, the subcontractor really dropped the ball. The guy who wanted to rent it was a contractor. I said, look, I will just hire you to finish it. He paid me his rent separately. Don't ever hire your tenants to do the work or give mm -hmm. them trade in rent to do work. Never, never, never. He paid me his rent and then I paid him. Yeah, I've done it numerous times. Never has worked out for me. Never does. So I hired him to basically finish the rehab on that. So he moved into it with no bathroom, no nothing. And he managed that like a project and I paid him completely separately from the rent that was coming in. And so that ended up working out really well. He's really made that his home. And he oh, recently called and said, I actually want to buy this do you still want to do that lease option thing? I said, sure. And he said, well, I, I need to save up some down payment. I said, look, if you fix the foundation, I'll give it to you for no down payment. So these are the kind of creative things that you can do. So we're working our way through that right now. That's cool. So the next deal that I did, it was, I found through a wholesaler, uh, I don't know, you might want to do this one for the deep dive because okay. this one has a big, it's a fun story. Give us a high overview. So you did a, you did a wholesale deal is what you're saying, right? 
Uh, I found it from a wholesaler, oh, okay, but it ended okay. up, yeah, falling through with the wholesaler. But since I kept showing up to meet the seller, I eventually just bought it directly from him, wholesaled okay. it on a lease option and just wrapped that mortgage to the current buyer. And that was beyond a burr. Not only do I have all my money back out of it, but I've made a bunch of money on top of it has a huge spread. So that was a really fun story. How I There's no reason we have to do the deal deep dive at the end of the show. So why don't we just do it right now? There it's you time go. for the deal deep dive. Hey, it's our show. We can do whatever we want, right? So let's do the deal deep dive right now. Right now. Yeah, we're going to right now. So, so, so tell me, Emma, do you have a, do you have a property in mind that you want to talk about today? Anything off the top of your head that you'd want to talk about right now? I haven't even <laughs> thought about it yet, Brandon. Okay. Let me think. I, let okay. me get out my spreadsheet here and yeah, check which one would be best for this. Okay. <laughs> All right. So tell us about what was this property like? What is it and where was it located? And then we'll go into the, the specifics. It's in a, a town called South Salt Lake. Okay. It's south of Salt Lake. Uh, south Salt Lake. Is so, it really called South South Lake? That is That's the funny. city of South Salt Lake. Yeah. That's so, funny. Okay. Which that is relevant to the story because South Salt Lake is notoriously difficult to deal with on zoning changes okay. because they have a lot of commercial industrial properties and they're very protective of their residential properties. And so that fed into this, this story. So I found it from a wholesaler, um, same wholesaler I bought the other two houses from. And he sent me by to go look at it. When I showed up, nobody was there. And he called and he said, oh, you know, we're not going to do it. He, he pulled out. But I'm standing there on the front porch and the owner's like, who are you? What are you doing here? So I introduced myself. We chatted. Ended up not being really a good plan. I said, well, when do you need to move out? I said, maybe I'll check up with you in a couple of months and see if it's a better fit. So a couple of months later, that was probably January. I think I called him, well, maybe earlier, December. So I called him maybe in January, called the wholesaler. And I said, hey, do you still have that deal? Undercrossing, no, I lost it. Another wholesaler uh, picked it up. And he said, oh, let me put you in touch with them. So I called the other wholesaler. I'd never met him before. I've never talked to him again since. And uh, he said, yeah, we're doing a showing on Thursday or whatever. So I show up on Thursday. Nobody's there. I knock on the door. The homeowner opens the door and he recognizes me. He says, what are you, you again? What are you doing here? I said, I'm here to look at the house. He said, no, we're not selling it. I, we got a big argument. I ripped up the contract. And I said, so I back up text the guy. He goes, Oh, I'm so sorry. We canceled the showing, but since you're not on my mailing list, I, you didn't get the notification and I forgot that I told you. So he didn't text me. So I'm standing there mm. on this guy's porch again. And at this point I said, well, this is getting ridiculous. I said, do you want to sell your house? When do you need to move out? What do you need for it? And we talked for a long time, like two hours uh, again, this is the second time. And finally uh, he was so burned and so skittish, but he finally allowed me to sign the contract. And I had to take out the fact that I had to take out the assignment clause and promise him that we would close on this house ourselves. We would not assign it to anybody else. He was very skittish. So I ended up going in and we closed it. And I, with a, we had a hundred percent hard money loan. So I just had to pay the points up front that I borrowed from a cash advance on a credit card. <laughs> It, oh. I was very, I was in the middle of that rehab with the house with the bad foundation and everything's going bad on that. I did not have any cash. I had actually paid cash for that house. I didn't have anything left over. So this cash advance on a credit card is what got me into this third one. Got in and I, I ran all the numbers. I thought I was going to flip it. What I needed to spend on the flip was the same amount that it would have sold for on the comps. Like oh, put wow. $60,000 in, it'll only sell for another $60,000. And I thought that's not worth doing. So By the way, maybe how much I can turn it in. 
What did you oh, actually buy? Yeah, what did you actually end up buying it for? Like, what was the actual? Two fifty-five, two hundred fifty-five thousand, and I thought that it would only sell for three ten rehabbed. Okay. Turns out my comps were really, really mm. wrong. So, but we comped it out. I asked a couple of different people to help me. I hate doing comps, so I definitely asked people to help. And then uh, I decided that I was going to convert it back into a duplex because I discovered from the owner that it used to be a duplex. So I go down to the city, and they said, "Well, it's not." been a continuous duplex use that converted it. You can't have it back. It's grandfathered in. I said, it, it would have to be grandfathered in. I said, well, there's a 12 plex down the road. So they built that before the zoning changed. Absolutely not. I said, well, what if I subdivide the lot and put another house behind it? Cause it's a huge lot. And they said, no, it's not wide enough for two driveways. So they just, every turn, they were just making it very difficult. So then I tried to buy the house next door cause it was being condemned and could never get a hold of the guy. I thought if I could buy both lots, I can combine and turn it into four lots. I, every creative option. Mm-hmm. I, this whole time I was trying to wholetail it with a lease option, uh, seller finance. I just mowed the lawn. I hired a painter. Painter stole money from me. This is where I really learned how to manage contractors and don't ever pay a deposit and put them on a schedule of payments and make sure they do their prep work and demo before they get paid. So that was the lesson I learned there. So I ended up hiring a different painter got it done and had a, somebody come in to lease option it. They were so excited about this house. And then right before we're supposed to close, she calls me and says that her grandma died in Puerto Rico. And since they were the wealthiest people in the family, they, it was their responsibility to fly everybody to Puerto Rico and pay for the funeral. So they didn't have their down payment money. I was devastated because now it's sitting here. I've got hard money on this thing, right? Yeah. Clock's ticking. So I ended up just putting it on the market with the realtor and I said, just sell it however we can, right? And I said, but I'm really open to seller financing, lease options, let's be creative. And I said, and to get it, somebody who's not just going to come with a mortgage, we need to overprice it a little. That was the mistake that we made trying to sell our finance and lease option, our personal homes, because that was always, we always tried, was we would price it at market value and somebody would come in with a mortgage and snap it right up. And I said, well, keep it. But I learned in that class, you price it a little over market people who want to get a good deal and can bring a mortgage are not going to buy it. But people who are looking for a seller finance deal are willing to pay a little bit more because they're willing to deal on terms. So we overpriced it a little bit. Uh, we got an offer in from a contractor. So he loved that it was a project, a wholetail type of project. Wholetail means that you pick it up at a wholesale price and instead of flipping it, you just turn it around and sell it on the MLS for what it's worth because yep. it's worth more than what you paid for it, even if you didn't do anything to it. So he came in and bought it on a lease option from us and moved in and he just wanted a fixer upper that he could do himself. And so I said, you can't do anything to it for six months until we can do the wrap mortgage. So the, uh, the appraisal came back at three thirty. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I said, why, how did the, how did I not know that it was worth this much? All the comps were telling me that we can only sell it for three ten if we rehabbed it. And this came back at three thirty as is, and we were way, way off. And I don't really know still don't really know how that happened, how all our comps, the hard money lender, all my realtor friends, we were way off what this appraisal came in at. So he ended up giving us like 328 for it and gave us a little down payment, lease optioned it, six months, set up the escrow account to handle the payments. He's getting a little credit. And then uh, last June, he gives us another down payment and we went and wrapped the mortgage to him. Went to the title company, transferred title, and then he continued to pay his down payment in chunks for a couple of months after that. And so what I ended up with was getting cashed out of that. It was like a $70,000 spread on the 
purchase wow. versus sale price. And then between the chunks of down payment that he gave me, I'm completely cashed out of that deal and I'm holding the note on it for 10 years. All right. So let me, let me dig in a little bit here. So first of all, so we, we know how you found the property. You know, we, we know where it's at and what it was. We know how you yeah. found it. Uh, we know how much you paid for it was two fifty five. I'm curious, and then the negotiation, that was a cool story. So the, the funding part is where I'm getting a little bit confused here or, or lost. Okay. Because, uh, so you bought the property, you said, with, was it hard money that we said? It was, you... it was 100% hard okay. money loan. All right. So but you, I have borrowed... to, you have to pay the points up front. Okay. So you paid, like, you got a loan, you paid these, this big fee to a hard money lender, mm-hmm. and then you, and that hard money is typically pretty short term, right? Yeah. Uh, did you get, so what, so how did you go from that? Did you go then actually, after you find the guy, you went and found an, a mortgage on it at that point? How did I that missed work? that part. Okay. Yes, we had to re- we had to refinance it. Okay. And so we had the other house, uh, the, the little the little house that I was, you know, the con- other contractor was fixing up was in the middle of a refinance. And so we, we're there in our personal names. We couldn't do, was causing problems to both of them at once. So it was very, very stressful. So we put him in there on hard money the new mortgage that we got would not allow us to get a mortgage on it until we had a signed lease. So he actually moved in with that house on hard money. And then as soon as I had the signed lease, I immediately went in for the refinance. And that took, that took a little while, maybe another two months after that, they didn't need the seasoning look back of the six months. So I made sure I found a lender that would do the refinance right away rather than making me own it for six months, because that's oftentimes a stumbling block. You're having hard money on it for six to 12 months before a lender will even look at it. So find a lender that will, will do a short period of ownership or doesn't have a seasoning requirement. So we got that mortgage in place. And that's one, one of the reasons I made him wait so long before I wrap it because I had to get it refinanced. And then we had to let that season and then we could go back and, and do a wrap on it. Okay. That's cool. So you, now you got a normal mortgage on it. Mm-hmm. Then they, he comes in and pays you and you basically do a, a, a wrap where you you have a mortgage and then he, you go get with seller financing. almost like, yeah, for you. It's, yeah. But it's better for around. him because he's getting, he's getting the wraparound mortgage at better terms than what he might've been able to get for himself. Because uh, the assumption is you have better credit. You have a better ability to get a better loan on the house. Is that right? Yeah. And he's self-employed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a contractor and he couldn't get any mortgage. And so again, I ran him through my very detailed screening process with the mortgage counseling. I knew exactly what I was dealing with. It's not like you just go out and do these, do these sellers willy nilly. Uh, you have yeah. to, you have to be pretty, pretty thorough about the way that you know that they can perform and, and to get a little deeper, if you're going to do this more than once or twice, you're subject to the same laws as a mortgage lender is. So you can't just be going out and being a shark and putting people in these homes that can't perform on the financial obligations. You got to vet them out and you got to make sure that they know what they're signing. So we're very careful about that. How did you deal with like the, you know, like the whole do on sale clause for those who don't know, like mortgages have a thing called the deal on do on sale that if you sell it like to somebody else, they could ask you, they could make you pay back the loan. Did you have that in that note? Do you just not worry about that? Like, do you have a backup plan? Like, how how do you deal with that? They all have that in there. I've found that if you don't want to get called on the due on sale, don't use a small community bank. Uh, They actually will do audits and they'll look back and say, wait, the person on title doesn't match the person on the loan and they'll call it. So if it does get called, have a backup plan. You need to have some cash in place in a HELOC or life insurance policy or somewhere where you can stash some cash that if you need to come in and pay this off quickly or have a relationship with a hard money lender. If that's what it came to, I'd go back to that same hard money lender and say, I got this note got called. I need to pay it off right away. I'd pay his points. And then I would go figure something else out to get new financing on it because 
with that hard money, at least I wouldn't lose, lose the house. So I used a larger bank that I knew was going to sell the loan to an even larger bank. And so the due on sell doesn't really ever get looked at in those situations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't heard of it happening too often. It's one of those, it's, it's a risk. It's something that could happen. Uh, and like you said, if you have a backup plan, it's not, it's not, uh, like, I mean, obviously we're not lawyers here, but my understanding, I'm sure you agree. Like it's not, it's not illegal to do it. It's simply in their right. If you do do it, then the bank can say, mm-hmm. well, we don't want to lend it. We, we want to call that note due now. And so it's just, yep. it's a condition of the contract and you say, okay, well, I'll, I'm willing to take that risk. It's their right to call it. And if they do, like you said, have a backup plan. So yeah. We From do. a practical standpoint, that is more likely to happen when interest rates are going up. Lately, they've just been going yes. down. So the bank doesn't want to call a note due and then have to lend that money out at a cheaper rate than what they gave it at. But if that changes, then we could definitely see more of these due on sale classes being called. And that that is a risk, but I didn't have him have a prepayment penalty. And so if need be, he can go get a refinance a lot more easily than he can get a purchase loan, even being self-employed. Mm-hmm. And so if I come and say, hey, I've got on hard money, I need you to go and get a refinance, press that really hard while I'm working hard on my end. Um, that's also part of the backup plan. Cool. All right. So this whole deal, you end up, he, he, um, you end up giving you a big down payment, get you a bunch of your cash. So now you, mm-hmm. you, you walk like basically you're, you have, is that right? You have no money left in it at this point or. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm positive you're money positive? on that yeah. one. I made yeah, money on awesome. that one. And it continues to pay me because it's one of those deals that pays you on yeah. the front end, pays you in the middle and pays mm-hmm. you monthly. Yep. And it might pay me on the back end when he does it in 10 years or whenever he refinances yeah. it, I'll get another chunk of cash from the equity that's still in it. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right. So last question on this is what lessons did you learn from this deal overall? Um, don't pay your contractor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that deal. I learned that lesson many times as well. Oh. All right. So that's really good. So what, so after this, so that's the end of the deal deep dive. Uh, you know, what, what came next? Like, where are you at today? Let's just kind of go to the end of your story. What are you doing now? What's your, what's your thing? And uh, where do you see yourself headed? Well, a couple months after that, I bought another triplex, just a turnkey triplex had a okay. little bit of money left. And so I got that and that's, I'm just self-managing that. That's pretty easy. doesn't even have a fun story behind it. So I've got that. So we had those eight units and then that city I bought the triplex in was near my husband's hometown. And I knew I wanted to invest in that area. It's in Idaho. It's hot. It's great cash flow hybrid appreciation model, our market. And we, I saw on Facebook, somebody from the RIA, she said, Hey, I'm selling my 50 unit apartment complex in this same town. I just bought that triplex. Like we just closed that month. Right. Uh, and I said, sure, I'll take a look at it. So there might be some seller financing available. I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't care. Cause I knew people from the RIA who said that they wanted to do apartment complexes. And I knew exactly the people I was going to call. So I get this, their crappy spreadsheet through a really rinky dink took a look at it. I said, this actually looks like a pretty good deal. I know three ratios, right? I know cash on cash return. I know rate, yeah, internal rate of return and a 1% rule. That's it. That's all I know. But it looked like a good deal from that. So I sent it to a guy I knew who was a spreadsheet geek and dropped it in his monster and sent it back to me. He said, this is a really good deal. Um, I think I can raise the capital for it if you would, are thinking about partnering on it. I said, yes, if you're going to go raise the capital, I don't know how to do that right? That's a whole nother field out there that yeah. I knew was the thing that I didn't know anything about. That's like another um, part of the gym. That's like the, the, the room yeah. that does like the spinning class. Like that's like, it's like intimidating, yeah. but you're like, I could learn it, but man, I, I, somebody's got to invite me into that spinning class. Cause it makes me feel weird. Yeah, right. and he, he grew up in Salt Lake from an old respected Salt Lake family. And so he had a lot of connections that I did not have. So when he said he could go raise the capital for it yeah. and he really wanted to split the work and 
And so that just became, that could be a deep dive deal on its own. That took six months to close. We ended up taking over management before we closed on kind of a master lease, which is again, another word for a lease option. The owner was just like, if you guys can't close this thing, I'm sick of it. You got to take yep. over. So we hired our own manager, put it in place. We even started rehabbing it before we closed on it. We had so much hard earnest money in that thing. There was yeah. no way we were going to let it go and not close. So we took over management of that in September of 2019, just closed on it in February of 2020. That's how long it took. And I found it in May wow. of 2019. Wow. So we have rehabbed 30 of those 50 apartments. We're way ahead of schedule. And the month that we closed on that in February... I found another apartment complex in Little Rock, Arkansas, and that has another funny story. They all have funny stories. They're all like your, they're all <laughs> like your like kid. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a creative financing and creative approaches. They all have a story behind them and all have a lot of lessons to learn. So I put that uh, 34 units under contract in Little Rock in January, and we all know what happened the first week of March. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I lost all my investors. They're like, you know, with the coronavirus and this, we don't know what's going on. We've got to preserve capital. So they all pulled out. And so I called the owner and I said, Hey, I need some time to put this back together. I, I can't get a loan on it. I need to go raise more money for it. So I started over from square run, raising more capital just on Facebook and LinkedIn, just put it out there. Like, Hey, I got this deal. Who wants to partner on it? And couldn't, couldn't get a loan. And so I went back to the seller and I said, Hey, Mr. Seller, there's this thing called a lease option. And you want to do that on your apartment complex? And he was like, okay. So we bought that apartment complex in June, basically on a lease option. And because I had done it a couple of times and taken a class and knew what I was doing, I was able to save that deal using creative financing. And it never occurred to me that I could, would want to buy something on a lease option. Mm -hmm. Cause I thought that was a distressed buyer. They couldn't get a mortgage. Well, here I was a distressed buyer, couldn't get a mortgage. So I bought that on a lease option in June and we rehabbed about 10 of the apartments. And then in June, I went to a retreat and told these stories to some people there. And a couple months or a couple weeks later, one of them called me and he said, Hey, I found a piece of land in a downtown Salt Lake. It's in an opportunity zone. We can tear down the warehouse and put up a 60 unit high rise apartment complex. And I was like, that sounds cool. Good. You know, what do you mean? He goes, I don't have any large multifamily experience. Do you want to partner on it? And I said, sure. He was the general contractor, so he could build it, but he didn't know how to do property management, stabilization, lease up, any of that stuff. And I said, I'm, I'm there. So I found a guy who could underwrite it. He'd done commercial development before and we made a little team and, and we closed on that one in January. So it's, wow. again, goes back to networking, learning how to run the numbers on your deals, knowing who to call when you have Something I, if you'd asked me even six months ago, if I, oh, you're going to build a high rise downtown. And that's crazy. But the funny thing about that, here's where it comes full circle. I rebranded away from the lease option business and I named my business high rise because it was about us rising higher together through real estate. And what, two months later, somebody comes to me and says, let's build a high rise. I mean, this manifestation you put it out there. I thought it was a little bold of me to name my company and have a skyscraper (laughs) as as the logo, but then look what happened. And the guy, the broker who is selling us that piece of land, selling us that project is the guy from the RIA, from the very first RIA who said, if you can skip residential and go straight to commercial, you should do it. Oh wow! And so it all comes around. If you just know the right people to call, you know who to talk to, you will have opportunities come up. If you just keep learning who people are and you keep learning how to recognize a good deal, you can put it together and just be creative. And this whole thing with six kids at home and doing the whole Corona. I mean, are they in school right now? Like, I mean, how do you, like, what's that like? I mean, how do you manage that much of a business like with six kids at home? 
I just did a podcast interview where when you found out I had six kids, we've been homeschooling for about 10 years. So and now we ended up not, wait, wait, so yeah. you're, you're homeschooling your kids in addition to building a massive empire. Like yeah, the, the massive empire, yeah, massive empire. No, it's um, huge. I well, that's why that that interview really just went left. We ended up not even really talking about real estate because all we talked about was how to run your life and simplify your life so that you can focus on your real estate. We just talked about homeschooling and housework <laughs> and just time management and delegation and all of that. And so, I don't homeschool in a traditional way. I don't do anything the traditional way. So I. I'm all about like Tim Ferriss cutting yeah. corners being efficient. Like how can we do this in the le least amount? I'm lazy. Oh, I don't want to wholesale and hustle. Obviously I'm not going to homeschool that way either. Yeah. So we're very creative. We associate, we just put ourselves right in the mix and meet people who are doing it in a way that's very clever, creative outside the box and extremely efficient so that we can get more done uh, in the same amount of time. Wow. I think Bill Gates had a quote that was like, I always look for my most important jobs and give them to the laziest people because they'll figure out how to get it done the fastest. Is that, does that sound familiar? Yeah. I actually quoted that on that other, other interview <laughs> because funny. people say like, oh, how do you get so much done? Well, first of all, you don't do it all. That would be stupid. Like, how, do you, how, do you, how do you get it all done? Well, I don't do it all. So people are like, I don't know how you can be a mom of six kids. I said, well, not very well. You, you let things go. Things fall. Thing you you just have to learn how to how to focus on what's really important and stop trying to control every little bit of thing in your life because that is asking for a heart attack. All right. So two quick things, Emma. First of all, what was that other show? Just in case people want to listen to it. Is that out already? Is it coming out? Um, it'll be uh, Whitney Sewell's uh, the syndication show or the real estate syndication show, and that's okay. dropping on November second. So okay. lots of just little life hacks to get more done in less time. Very cool. I, uh, I love those type of shows anyway. So very, very, very cool. Uh, and then second thing is, have you heard of the book, the what's it called? The five hour school week? Have you heard of that? Is that what's called, David? Or, or, I think uh, yes. you're talking about Aaron's book. Yeah, Aaron's book. The five yeah. hour school. week. Okay. All right. Emma, you've heard of that one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I heard him interview on your podcast. Oh, okay. And so I went and looked him up and I, I'm now Facebook air quotes friends with him. Uh, he doesn't have any clue who I am, but yeah, he, he homeschools. And again, that very efficient, creative way. We're even a little more free form than he is, but yeah. I joined uh, his wife's group. And no, uh, if, if you're, if you definitely, she's got it going on. Like if you need some help there, yeah. definitely reach out there. Yeah. Aaron and Kalina, they're like good people. It's just funny when you were explaining the four hour work week and how you apply that to homeschooling. I was like, that's yep. exactly Aaron. Like that's, that, that was yep. Aaron and Kalina. Definitely. All right. Very, very cool, man. I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours and hours, but we got to get this thing moving <laughs> on. So last question I have before we move on to the, the famous four, uh, what do you need right now in your business? What can our users or listeners or uh, members bring to you to help you out in your, in your world? I am really looking to uh, scale up very quickly. Financial, independent, retire early. We're looking to get out of the W-2. My husband is in right now and I would like to take on some much larger projects. I work very well with people who are new and looking for some mentoring. So if you've got a deal, especially a, a larger commercial deal that you don't know what to do with, or you're looking to place some capital with somebody who will be that mentor to you and walk you through and, and give you uh, the passenger seat view of how these deals work, I would love to talk to you. I, that's my favorite thing to do. I always end up teaching. No matter what I do, I always end up turning around and, and teaching it. It's just, I can't, I can't help it. I just love it. That's awesome. All right. Well, with that said, let's head over to the last segment of the show. It's our famous four. 
All right, this is the Famous Four, the part of the show where we ask the same four questions every week. Before we ask those questions to you, Emma, let's hear what's going on this week over on the Bigger Pockets Podcast Network. Hey, it's Ashley from The Real Estate Rookie. And on last week's episode, we had Joe Roberts and Steve Rosenberg on. Joe won $20,000 at the last Bigger Pockets conference to buy a property. Steve Rosenberg is guiding him through the whole process of doing an out-of-state deal. So make sure you go back and listen. All right, with that, let's get to the famous four. All right, question number one. Emma, do you have a favorite real estate-related book? I've been dreading this question. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really read real estate books. All right. So 20 years ago, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Last year, I read the book on real estate property management by this guy. What's his name again? You're talking about me. <laughs> yes, you. Oh, good. Okay. Your book. <laughs> and my my yeah, husband thanks. bought it oh, and okay. he listened to the audiobook version. And now he's oh, like, oh, oh did right. you do this or did you do that? So I had to listen to that one to, just to defend myself because suddenly the guy who's not even in my business is all up in my face about how I run my business. So I, <laughs> I read that one last year. And then the one that I'm working on right now, it's an ebook, actually. It's a lead magnet that my partner on my Little Rock property, John Stober, did. It's about how to underwrite multifamily properties. And that he is a spreadsheet animal. So reading, if you need to learn how to underwrite properties, go get that ebook. And he has a spreadsheet that you can download and a more complicated one you can purchase. And so that, that one I'm getting through right now. I do know how to underwrite multifamily properties, but he takes it to a whole new level. So I'm really mm -hmm. trying to up my game there. Yeah. I love having those people in your life. Like I have, I have Walker, mm -hmm. like Walker Meadows is my like underwriter slash VP of acquisitions. And like, I just love having those people. Like they, I'm like, I can underwrite, but he can underwrite, yep. right? Like it's like, it's like yep. different. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the difference between being able to do it and mm -hmm. liking yes. doing it. That's a great so, way to put it. It feels light for Walker to do yes. that work. Yeah. Whereas yeah. we can do it, but it feels heavy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's it. All right. Next question, David Green. What's your favorite business book? Crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson. Hands mm. down best book. I don't think it's just a business book. I think it should be a human book. If you're a human over the age of about 10, you should <laughs> read this book. I have it on my shelf. I haven't read it yet, but now I'm in, oh, inspired to. Gotta read it. So uh, along with that, I would say Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. It was basically what taught me how to stop trying to control everyone, everything that people are their own people. And Crucial Conversations gives you the tools to go into that, how to actually have nonviolent communication. So my son was diagnosed with autism when he was 18, just last year. So we knew for a long time, his whole life, that something wasn't quite right but he has a kind of autism that makes him argue, complain. Mm. Uh, his, his withdrawal is to, is to, to get out of doing social things is to, to yell and complain and argue. And so he really forced up to step up our game to be better parents. And so I read this book off of the personal MBA book list. Saw that I said, well, this has got to help me. Right. It was life-changing. It will go, it will improve your relationships like I said, with my son, it will improve your business negotiations. It will improve your ability to communicate on any number of topics. And the reason I like it as a business book is because they basically boil these skills down to the high achievers that they were interviewing in the business world, the CEOs, when they were trying to find out what they all had in common, it was this, this set of communication skills. So if you have to, you have to read it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. When you're not raising six kids and building a real estate empire, what are some of your hobbies? <laughs> I am one of those people who has a thousand hobbies. If it is a hobby, I'm doing it. Like I, I 
put my kids in music lessons and I sit in the room while they're doing it and I cheat and take lessons with them. I come home, I practice it, I get on YouTube. So I play the piano, I learned how to play guitar. We learned how to sing a couple of years ago. I, you know, I played rugby uh, for a while. I really love all just anything, any I, knitting, like I said, knitting in the rehab meeting. Yeah. Um, I just, I love hobbies, but right now what we're, what we're really getting into is uh, with the whole passive income thing is I just decided I wanted to go hike the Appalachian trail. It's just, I knew somebody who did it and, and I was asking how they did it and how they rearranged their lives to be able to do it and take that furlough from work. And I thought, you know, with this passive income thing, we should go do that. I don't want to do an Ironman or you know, the hard wake up at five in the morning, crazy stuff. But for whatever reason, this Appalachian trail thing got into my brain, even though it's going to suck way worse than an Ironman, I think, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't, I don't even care. It's, I just cannot get it out of my head. So we're just starting to hike around Salt Lake and, get our kit together. And that's our, that's our new hobby. And now that the winter's come in, we're, we're buying some snowshoes. Like it's just, I love hobbies. I love creating things. I love learning new things. I'm all about it. Very cool. Very cool. Are you going to take your family on the Appalachian trail? I mean, that the, the, the goal we're, we're working out how that's going to working oh. out how that's going to look. It, it, it's going to be a few years, but there is yeah. a trail in Utah that we want to through hike before that, but cool. we'll probably just have our kids come up and see us at the campsite every night or yeah. drive us home to sleep in our own bed on the weekends or something. That makes sense. Cool. All right. Last question of the day from me. What do you think separates successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Real estate investing is 90% the belief that you can be successful and only about maybe less than 10%, the nuts and bolts of the strategies. And so I think if you divided those three people among those groups, people who never get started are the ones who don't believe that they can do it. They don't know it's a thing or they don't think that they can be successful because they listen to their, their in-laws or they listen to their friends who tell them, or they listen to horror stories, how I lost everything in the 2008 crash. And so they don't believe that they can do it. I know when I started this, my family was very, very concerned. And my sister called me and she said, She says, I never want to be one of those people in your life that you disassociate yourself from because I'm a negative influence on you. So even though I don't know what you're doing, I don't understand it. And I'm terrified for you. I want to know that I want you to know that I support you fully. And I always want to be here for you because if you are trying to better yourself and move on into a different realm, I want to be here with you and for you. Who else has somebody say that to them? That's cool. Most people don't have that kind of a person in their lives. And so they don't believe that they can do it and they never start. And for the people who fail, it's usually because they don't have enough of the 10% nuts and bolts. They haven't learned enough about how to be creative, how to be a problem solver. My husband's an IT guy. That's what they do, solve problems under fire and then design a system around it. And then for the people in the middle who give up, it's usually a combination of those two things. They don't quite believe it. And they don't quite have enough of the tactics or the network or whatever. And so they kind of get started, but it's hard and they don't really have both ends of those tools. And so they just kind of peter out. Mm, great answer. Yeah. Very I don't think good. we talk in, we don't talk enough about the whole, like just the belief. Like I, I'm such a big believer in like the, the confidence is so important in this, like knowing that, believing that you can do it, which is, I think is why podcasts like this are helpful. Cause people are like, you know, if Emma with six kids, and, you know, moving across the country, if she can do it, like I, I can do it as well. I can figure this thing out. And so once people start to hear other people doing it that are just like them, they're like, wow, maybe I really can do this. And so this is why, like, if you're just getting started, just if you did nothing over the next six months, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't do anything, but if you did nothing yeah. but listen to podcasts for six months, but you were consistent on listening to this podcast, like 
or other real estate podcasts. Just listen to other people who are like you doing things like you'll you'll gain such more clarity and confidence and momentum to be able to start uh, really your own, uh, you know, growing just as a person. So, yeah, everybody here can do it. Everyone listeners can do it. Just you got to believe in yourself and you'll 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 make it. So. This is why I don't read a lot of ton of real estate books. I'm finding I'm getting more up to date, relevant information from podcasts, YouTube, Rias. By the time a book hits the shelf, sometimes it's just not applicable. So yeah. I do read the first thirty percent of a lot of books, mm, <laughs> and then yeah. and then move on. So, but the podcasts, I think, by and large, and the people you meet are going to be the best education you can get. Yeah, so good. All right, beautiful. Well, Last on. question of the day. For people that want to know more about you, where can they find out more about you? My website is highrise.group. So H-I-G-H-R-I-S-E dot G-R-O-U-P. And I am Emma Powell 28 on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I also have a group on Facebook about, it's like a dating service between passive investors and active investors. So if you either have a deal or you have money that you want to place, it's a place where you can get together and talk about whatever the SEC will allow you to talk about publicly. Um, and just to meet people and to figure out when you have a deal, who's funding it, or if you have some funds, who has a deal. Very cool. Well, Emma, this has been fantastic. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is this has been really fun. So I really appreciate coming on here and just looking forward to all the people that, you know, that I'm gonna meet through the podcast you guys have put up. It's been life-changing for me and just really proud to be a part of that. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Emma. All right, that was our show with Emma Powell. Fantastic. I feel like my head hurts a little bit just learning all that stuff today, but uh, those are some of my favorite shows is when we really dive deep into topics. What do you think, DG? Yeah, and Emma made it seem kind of effortless, didn't she? I mean, she did mm -hmm. big things, but it wasn't this yeah. horribly stressful, terrible experience. I mean, I think yeah. that this is a really, really good roadmap for how to do it right. You know what? I, I want to 5X, I think 5 or 6X our gym analogy real quick. Just to, to kind of <laughs> bring it full circle and wrap it up. What I think the reason that is, is because Emma just showed up every day at the gym. Like, even though she didn't know how to use any of the machines when she got there, like, she literally just, like, showed up and asked questions. It was like, will you show me how to use that machine? Can you, like, I'm not mm -hmm. sure what to do next. Hey, what's that room over there do? Like, and if you went to the gym every single day and just became part of the culture of the gym and talked to people and like started obsessing about it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You would naturally just like almost, almost effortlessly, or at least to the outside world, it would feel like you just naturally became successful in that because you're just showing up to the gym every single day. And that's exactly what she did here. That's a great example. First off, nobody likes strangers. I mean, maybe you yeah. like strangers, but you're still a little iffy. You don't know what to I make of them. No, Most I people don't. are that way. But when you <laughs> see somebody all the time, even if you've never been introduced, there's a level of comfort mm -hmm. and familiarity that comes with that. And then second of all, if you're in the gym all the time, you you know what everybody else's workouts look like. You know who to spot. You know who to emulate. You know who wants encouragement, who makes eye contact with you, and yeah. who wants to be left alone because they have their headphones in. Brandon, that's a great point. If you just get in the gym at some point, someone's going to say, hey, can you come spot me on this thing? Because they've seen you around enough. They're going to start teaching you how to work out yeah that's awesome man all right well with that said we probably get out of here hey if you guys by the way have further questions on some of the in-depth stuff we talked about today for example wholesaling lease options subject to 
uh, seller financing, burr. These are all topics. You can go to Bigger Pockets anytime you want to and go search. There's a little like magnifying glass in the upper right corner. Just search for that term. You will find like blog posts, webinars, podcasts, all that stuff on there generally for free. Just like just go listen to it or read it or watch it or whatever you got to do. Also, I wrote a book a few years back called The Book on Investing in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down. And in there, I have a chapter on lease options, another one on wholesaling, another one on Burr, another one on syndications, uh, and 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 more and more. And so if you want to know more in-depth stuff, if you want to read a book on it, go check out that one. It's kind of a good like high-level overview of all those topics, uh, especially I go really in-depth on lease options in that book because I think they're pretty cool. So Check it out. You can get it from library or from uh, Amazon or biggerpockets.com slash store. All right. Well, I'm going to go uh, go buy some mobile home parks. What are you up to today, David? Anything fun? No, I'm resting right now. I caught a little bit of a bug over the weekend, so I'm just I can kind of hear it. I can kind of hear it in your voice, man. I'm glad that, uh, that, that you did some of the heavy lifting today because <laughs> I needed that. Well, well, good. Well, man. Thanks for being a good better. friend there. All right. Yeah, this is thanks. David Green for Brandon Jim Tour Turner. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.